guys, I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. I, I watched the Christmas episode of Girl Meets World this weekend, and it was outstanding. I was giddy through the entire thing. Is that a CW thing? No, it's a Disney Channel thing. It is essentially a sequel series to Boy Meets World. Oh, what the God. hell is wrong with you? I know what it is. I just didn't know what network it's on. It's on Disney. Of course it is. And Sean Hunter came back and spent Christmas with with Corey and Topanga and their kids, and it was great. It was fantastic. The parents were there. It was it was childhood all over again. And the fact that you guys aren't as excited as I am just it boggles uh, my mind right now. I, 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 I never watched Boy, Meet, Boy Meets World. You, you are a terrible that. millennial. Too old. You were not too old. I was too old. I I, I doubt that. What you, year, it, it, wait, what year did this show come out? I wait, honestly don't don't even remember. I watched most of it in reruns, which tells me that when it first ran, you were not too old. Yeah, but I, I always like when I was ten, I was trying to watch like rated R movies, not because they were violent, because they were more likely to be interesting. Yeah, you're you're. So I was kind of like super demanding already. You were born as a seventy-five-year-old man, so. In that sense, yeah. yes, you were too old. Like by by it, that by the time that show was on, I was already focused on uh like Kids in the Hall was on comedy from, and I watched that. It ran from nineteen ninety three to two thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they had no chance with me. It ran entirely too long at the end. I will be the first one to say that, but but it was a fantastic show. How did a show? I, I know the show was about like a kid in middle or high school. How did it run for seven years? They went to college. They got married. Did he fail a lot? <laughs> well, they, they actually ended up going off to college and living in married student housing, which is how you know it went on for so, entirely too long. So, so they did not learn the lesson of Save by the Bell. They did not. Which no, is, they, do not they did go not to try it with a good cast. Do not either. go to college. Uh, permanent high school and just don't. The best thing to do is probably put your head down and not even pretend to explain that the high school is just going on. Just continue on as if high school lasts forever. And on that exciting note, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley, both of whom are culturally illiterate, as you've already learned tonight. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United, Major League Soccer, and whatever else in the world of soccer catches our fancy. Tonight, there is a lot to catch our fancy. Uh, it was Today was the half-day-long trading window for the day after MLS Cup, which means, oh yeah, yesterday was MLS Cup, the championship game of our league. Uh, And today was absolutely insane and completely overshadows for most of us everything that happened on the field yesterday. Um, We're going to talk about both of those things today, but before we get to any of it, Ben Bromley, what are you drinking? So I was rushing, so I did not make anything fancy or exciting or new. I just grabbed what was in my larder, which was a bottle of Evan Williams Black and some ginger ale, and just went just pretty easy, pretty regular. No big deal, but still good. You guys are both from other places growing up. Uh, Do you use larder to mean uh, any refrigerator or, like, a specific refrigerator? I use it to mean uh, basically just – I use it even more generally just to mean, like, any place where – Consum- uh, edible consumables are kept. So, like a pantry could be a larder. Sure, I mean, I mean, okay. not 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 technically, but in, but in you the, might use it that way. In the idiomatic. Uh, okay. Yes. 
All right. I, I am much less steampunk than Ben, so I generally don't use the word larder okay. in any context. That's more that's more along my lines, but I understand that people in other places use other words. For example, in some places, uh, people refer to soda as pop, I've, I've been told. Yes, in the places where I'm from, they do that. Yeah, the place yes. where I'm from. Like me. We, it's all Coke, where I come from. What? There are some people who say soda, there are some people who say pop, but if you look at the map... Anytime there's this linguistic map, the people in in southwestern Indiana they all say Coke. It's all Coke. Interesting. Yeah. So so you go to a restaurant, you say, "I'll take a Coke." What kind? Sprite. <laughs> it makes no that's sense. Actually, that's actually, I think, more fun than the other ways of doing it. Yeah. Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Please tell me uh, it's some kind of Coke. Uh, it is not. Uh, I don't. I don't drink soda unless I'm at a baseball game and I'm trying to hide the booze I snuck in. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and the booze of choice for that, by the way, is uh, usually a pint of Canadian Club, which is usually like five or six dollars. Um, you, uh, you want something that if it, well, you want something if it gets confiscated, you're not really you know it's not that bad. You don't want to lose a flask or or some of the good stuff over this. You're risking losing it, so you might as well risk losing something that kind of sucks. Um, also, you're dumping it into a big, you know, 32 ounce soda. Um, what I'm drinking here right now is much better than any of that. Uh, it's uh, North Coast Brewing's uh, Old Number 38 Stout. Uh, it's uh, that old uh, North Coast is California Brewing. Uh, they're they're pretty far north in California. I think they're like two hours north of San Francisco. Um, their uh, the logo is of a train. Uh, the number thirty eight is a train, apparently of some kind. It's a really excellent stout. There's nothing Good research. I, I I saw a train and it was in front of me. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> there's no. It's not like a bells and whistles. There's no like extra herbs or spices or or any. Um, they don't even lay out what malt or anything like that. It's just a really really well made stout. Uh, if you like uh, stouts at all. Go find it. It's got a green label, and it, there is, like I said, a train on it. Uh, if you find it, it's good. It's worth it. It's worth the extra price. It was like thirteen dollars, but it's worth it. All right, I am drinking uh, straight Michter's US One unblended American whiskey. It is neither a bourbon nor a rye. It falls somewhere in the middle as far as the grain bill, I think. But more importantly, from the bourbon perspective, it is not aged in in unused oak barrels. It is actually aged in barrels that were previously used to age bourbon. So it, it gets some more complex flavors, and it's very, very good. It was a gift from my in-laws who came over Thanksgiving. And I would have had it on the show last week, but I was in We Are All Revs mode, um, uh, which did not work out so well yesterday. No. But... Uh, you know, now now I'm back to being able to drink whiskey on the show, and it's it's very nice. Yeah, Michter's good whiskey. They don't really make anything that's bad or even adequate. At least in my experience, everything I've had that Michter's does has been really good. Yeah, it's 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 a superior whiskey. I'm I'm very very yeah. happy with it, and I I'm looking forward to trying their sour mash or their bourbon or their rye. Honestly, anything. The rye, I'm, I'm, I can vouch for the rye. I've I've had that. I bought that bottle before. All right, let's turn to. I would say the actual soccer, but really we're going to be talking about off-the-field machinations <laughs> for this segment, which may go on for a while. It's so, so thrilling. Trades. So make sure you are somewhere where you can listen to this for, for a good long spell, because good lord. Hours. 
today was was active. MLS's off season is officially underway, and how we're just going to go through DC United's involvement today. Just just this Monday's involvement from DC United, and then if we have time, we'll talk about what actually happened at MLS Cup afterward. Uh, so first off, today DC United traded uh, two years of use of a couple of international roster slots, one each to NYCFC and Orlando, getting allocation money back in exchange from both teams. So it's all about the, those Garber Bucks. Um, there, there's some speculation. There's no reporting on this, but there's some speculation that there may be a handshake agreement in place on each of those, or one or both, that, that those the, the expansion teams will not take one or more specific DC United players on Wednesday in the expansion draft. Um, not sure if, if that's in the cards or not, but Ben, just talking about the actual international slot traded for, for allocation money, this is looking more and more like an annual transaction that you can set your watch by. Yeah, exactly. Um, DC United, at the end of this season, just got back an international spot that they had traded to the Montreal Impact for allocation money. Uh, so... And uh, the Montreal Impact will have another one of their international spots for next year as well. So uh, overall, DC United will have five international spots for next year. Uh, right now, they have no international spot. They have no international spots taken because uh, Kyle Porter is gone, Nana Atacora is gone, uh, and everybody well, else. Was was domestic by the end of the year anyway. Well, yeah, he was domestic by the end of the year anyway. Uh, Incum is gone. All these things I'm, we'll talk about a, a little later. But so right now, DC United has no international players uh, that count towards international spots, at least. And so they've got plenty of room to make international moves. And they were they were never going to use uh, the fifth, sixth, the, the uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth international spots that are. Uh, given to you. So I think turning these into allocation money is a great idea. It replaces some of the allocation money that they got last year that they've now lost, like the... Uh, the uh, USUC. Yeah, the USUC allocation, the trade they made with the uh, Philadelphia Union during the Super Draft last year. Uh, if they want to keep this team together, and, well, they're going to have to, re- uh, they're going to, have to add some depth to this team uh, based on what happened today, regardless, they're going to need a similar amount of allocation money, and they're working to make sure that they have that. All right, next up on today's agenda was a a much bigger trade. DC United sending reserve goalkeeper Joe Willis and Samuel Incombe, the midseason acquisition two-time World Cup veteran for Ghana, sending both of them to the Houston Dynamo in exchange for English midfielder, who has a green card, so he's not an international player, uh, for Andy Driver and the... Dynamo's fourth-round pick in the 2016 draft. Really just a, a make-weight part of the deal because nothing is going to come of that pick, almost certainly. Jason, what did you make of, of this? We know that, that Driver is out of contract, Joe Willis is out of contract, and Incum was taking up an international slot. Uh, was this just a straight-up on-the-field trade, or were there other considerations, you think, that, that led to this one? Uh, I imagine it was an on-the-field um deal for the most part. I, I assume that the trade doesn't go through unless Willis and Driver had already agreed to sign the contracts with their new teams. Um, otherwise, 
the whole thing is kind of a pointless exercise for everyone involved. Um, I, I, I know personally, I feel like Incum with a little work could have become a better player than Driver is. Um, but at the same time, maybe, you know, day in, day out, maybe uh, the coaching staff has determined that he wasn't going to become that player. And at that point, you know, if you, if you've made that decision, you, you, if you can find someone you think is better then you probably should do something about it. Um, it's not that Driver's a bad player by any means. Um, he probably has a little bit better ability to get behind his man on the dribble than than Incum has shown. Um, he can play on either the left or the right side of midfield, which Incum seemed to only be really a right-sided player. I know we, we saw some stuff that he could play left back, but I feel like that must have happened in some sort of emergency. He didn't look like a guy that was going to convert to left back very easily. Um not that we have a giant sample size. This is all sort of guesswork uh, when it comes to him. But um, uh, Driver's got a big experience. When, when he was a younger player, he was actually being talked up as uh, – uh, he's actually Scottish and English. Um, he, I think he's Scottish-born but has an English parent. And when he was a youth player, when he was a teenager, the, there was actually a discussion about whether Scotland or England would be able to claim him internationally. Um that never came to pass. He never uh, got to that level where that was a concern, but he still played at a pretty decent level. And uh, in Houston, a lot of times he was being kept out by um, Oscar Boniek Garcia and Brad Davis, which is, you know, if you're going to be kept on the bench by two wide midfielders, that's not a bad list of guys to be keeping you out. Um, I am curious to see how he gets used because he's definitely better on the left than on the right. Um, and we already have he's Chris primarily left footed. Yeah. Right. He's decent with his right, but he seems more comfortable overall positionally on the left. It's it's a little more natural to him. Um, and with, with Rolf and Pontius, granted, you know, we're looking at a six-game uh, suspension for a spindola, so one of those two is going to be seeing time as a forward, I would suspect, uh, to start the year. But uh, you don't make a trade based on six games only. Um, mm-hmm. Someone in there is going to have to sw- switch sides. Uh, my guess is that... Um, Rolf, uh, if Driver pushes his way into getting regular minutes, it would be Rolf uh, switching sides. He's played more on the right than Pontius. Pontius has played on the right, but you know he's never really looked that effective or comfortable over there. But um, it, it's definitely an interesting deal. We we could see Driver as kind of expensive depth, though. Uh, I'm I'm wondering whether whether when everyone's available, assuming that Eddie Johnson doesn't get taken, uh, which we'll get to later. Um, when everyone's available, I, I kind of struggle to see how a driver gets himself even into the 18, given the number of wide midfielders and forwards that'll be there as well. But um, I guess it's a good problem to have. To have, a, if a player like that is not making your 18, you've done something right in that section of the field. So it, I'm not too upset about it, but I do kind of feel like my impression of Incum was that he could have become. Uh, good enough where we wouldn't have needed to make this deal. And I also don't like seeing Joe Willis go because I mean, he's Joe Willis. He's kind of amazing in his own way. Um, yeah. Not just the, the picture, but off the field. Right. Just the, all the, the stories that surround Joe Willis just make him every single time you hear something about him, it just makes him sound like more of a myth than, than an, an actual person that's in real life. Um, and, and that's pretty great. He almost seems like a character out of, like, Slapshot, but uh, he's a soccer player instead of a <laughs> hockey player. Yeah, that's about right. I do know that there's there's a lot of speculation, including by me. I think this might be the case, that, that United, United did not push for uh, a, a deal that was 
would give them better terms than they got from Houston, that may, maybe a better draft pick or something, because they wanted to get Incum off their books so that they, or, or Porter, but there weren't any takers for Porter, so that they would not have to protect either of them in the expansion draft. There's a rule that if you have more than one international player, you have to protect at least one of them. If you only have one, you don't have to protect any. United had exactly two, and, and now they have none. Now, um, after this next thing we're going to talk about and the income trade. That next thing is is the options list, which every MLS team should have announced by now which players they are exercising contract options on this year. Uh, DC United is not exercising any options. They have extended a bona fide offer to David Estrada, which means that they're not exercising the option on his contract, but they've extended an offer after talks that, that is a reasonable salary offer for Estrada as, as determined by the league. And uh, therefore, DC United will retain his rights. He doesn't go into the re-entry draft or anything like that. Four players, or five players, however, DC United straight up declined their options and have not come to any place in the negotiations where they can make a bona fide offer. Four of these guys are probably never going to hear a bona fide offer. They're just on their own. Uh, Nana Atacora, Alex Kasky, homegrown player Connor Shinovsky, which is sad to see him go just because he is a homegrown player, uh, and Kyle Porter, who we talked about previously. The fifth name is Jeff Park, who, of course, was... DC United starter at center back alongside Bobby Boswell for the early part of this year. And then he got hurt and then he had migraines that complicated his recovery. Uh, I know there were reports that he was back on the field and training by the end of the year. So he could be ready to play again next season, but he will not be at the very least. If he's with DC United, he will not be making the same salary. He was last year. He'll have to accept some kind of a pay cut. Ben, let's just talk about, Park because there's not really a lot to say about the other names I just mentioned. What what do you make of the team uh, not exercising his option and and do you think there's any chance he's back in black and red next year? So I think there's a good chance that we actually do see Jeff Park back here next season. I don't know if there's going to be much of a market for him in the in the reentry draft, especially not the first stage of the reentry draft. So. Between uh, before the reentry draft and between the two stages of the reentry draft drafts, that's when you see a lot of deals getting done, and I think there's a good chance that he gets a rather large pay cut. And if he does, I think he's really good depth uh, if he can still play. And he was training at the end of the season, so I think he'll be good to go by the beginning of next season. So if he comes back at a year. I think that's a good place for him to be. I think that's good for experienced, really good center back depth, especially with whatever else might happen in the uh, uh, expansion draft or the re-entry drafts. Like if Kofi Apare gets taken uh, in the expansion draft, then I think resigning Park becomes an even bigger deal. So, Or if Birnbaum has a sophomore slump next year. Park exactly. is a really good option to keep around. Or if we're in the CCL and mm-hmm. uh, Burnbaum uh, gets a knee injury in the first CCL game out of, in February. I mean, obviously that would be awful and terrible, but if Park that would happens, be a really ben, great we're going to person. burn you as a witch. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I'm cutting it out of this episode. <laughs> you better not. 
All right, let's let's the big news today that we're finally building up to is every team in MLS, uh, every continuing team in MLS, I should say, because there are three teams that haven't done this for for various reasons. Every continuing team in MLS released their list of protected and unprotected players for Wednesday's expansion draft. The three teams I, I mentioned that are did not are the two expansion teams, of course, and and Chivas USA, which you know pour one out for for our friends out there. As far as DC United is concerned, no real surprises on the list. No uh, overthought. Uh, gambits like we had all projected. No Kofi Opari on the protected list. No Eddie Johnson, which might surprise some people around the league, but will surprise nobody who's a fan of DC United. Davey Arnault is not protected. Um, new acquisition, Andy Driver, is not protected. Uh, just going down the list, uh, Arnault, Atacora, Kasky, Doyle, Driver, Jeffrey, Johnson, Corb, McNamara, Neil, Opare, Park, Porter, Dykstra and Estrada are the available players. Uh, everyone else on the roster is protected. So Chris Pontius made the cut. Chris Rolfe made the cut. Taylor Kemp and Sean Franklin both made the cut. Um, in addition to all the obvious ones and United's four homegrown players. So Connor Shinovsky, is his contract was not picked up or his option was not picked up, but he's still automatically protected because MLS. So Jason... I don't think you're. I think you'll agree that there are no real surprises on the list. Who do you think is the biggest risk to hear their name on Wednesday? Uh, I mean, I, I haven't had that much time to compare our list to the other list, but um, my guess is that it's going to be Kofi Opare or Chris Korb as the most likely taken. Um, Korb, I think everyone in the league knows that he's not going to be an elite fullback, but um, he's pretty steady. He can play on either side, and and a lot of the building that's already been done in both of those places is in other positions. It's um, in the spine. Right. Um, I know New York did go out and get uh, Josh Williams today, and they already had Jeb Brovsky, so maybe they're a little less likely to, to take Corb, but um, Orlando's right-back situation is a teenager, and that's it. Um, so I could easily see them taking Chris Corb. Um Kofi Opare, maybe his saving grace is just that the expansion teams might not have that much game tape on him, um, having having not played that much because Boswell and Birnbaum were already in place. Um, and then in L.A., he had essentially one spot available some of the time with Gonzalez and De La Garza. De La Garza sometimes not playing center back. Um, so he might go unselected, but... Um, those two jump out right away. If I were running things at New York or in Orlando, I would be looking at them uh, to go pretty early. Um, but after that, I mean, I mean, the, the the tough thing for being a good team is that you know you're going to lose somebody. Um, if we had protected Opare and left out Chris Pontius, you'd have to assume that Pontius was going to go. Um, or if Taylor Kemp was left out there, you'd have to assume he was going to go. Um, all of this has always been built around us probably losing at least one, uh, if not two. And there's no, there was no combination of players that could be protected that would prevent that from happening. Um, it does bring up the possible situation in which we could lose Park and Opare 
back to back within a matter of a few days if we can't reach some sort of agreement with Park down the road. Um, and all of a sudden we go from having very, very comfortable depth at center back for the first time in years to our normal status in which we're one injury away from a disaster. Um, which hopefully, if if it comes to pass that that, that that's the scenario, if if Opare gets taken and Park doesn't return, something else has to another shoe has to drop there. Either United has to nail an international signing and actually get bring someone in that can contribute, or we're gonna have to make some more trades, or or you know, um, find a way to draft uh draft a center back without really being able to draft early enough where you can guarantee that it's going to be an excellent player. Yeah, there's that's the problem with an expansion draft is right. all the unknowns. And I know Dave Casper has said that it would have been really nice if this had happened last year. Right, because we would have been like, horrible. yeah, go ahead. Uh, do or, Take do anybody you want. Um, but then again, we would have been picking behind both Orlando and NYC yeah. last year if they'd come into the league. And that might mean... Steve Birnbaum yeah. is not on our team, and instead get somebody like Christian Dean, who played a grand total of, I think, zero minutes this year. They would not have been as They would not have been as incompetent as the Vancouver Whitecaps to not take Perry Kitchen. Yes, that's true. They, there was no Omar Salgado in in this draft, though, who, to to entice the easily distracted by shiny objects. <laughs> which is sometimes how you have to describe the white caps. They love their shiny objects up there. It's pretty nice. It's pretty fun to watch. Yep. Uh, let's turn our attention now away from DC United for a little while and talk instead about actual soccer on an actual field. MLS Cup 2014 was this weekend. The LA Galaxy won 2-1 to one over the New England Revolution after extra time to claim their fifth MLS Cup championship. Boo, uh. hiss, groan, complain. Um, but the New England Revolution joined them in their first five campaign, becoming the first MLS club to lose five MLS Cup finals. LA was going to be first to five one way or the other because they were the only other club besides New England to lose four MLS Cup finals previously. They, they, they are still hunting for that fifth MLS Cup loss. Um, I'm sure they'll get there there someday if they just keep plugging away. Jassy Zardes became the first homegrown player to score in an MLS Cup final early in the second half, giving the Galaxy a 1-0 lead. Uh, Chris Tierney left fullback for the Revs because why not have your fullback be your best offensive weapon on the day? He scored a little bit later, and then in extra time, 111th minute, Robbie Keane scored the game winner. Uh, I guess let's just talk about the goals one by one real quick, and, and then we can talk about any other thoughts we have. First goal, uh, Zardes, is, I, I thought was really typical of Andrew Farrell's day. He just looked completely out of sorts. The ball comes to Jesse Zardes, and Farrell overplays him one way and then overplays him the other way and ends up on the ground completely helpless as Zardes finishes past uh, Bobby Shuttleworth. Jason, what did you make of of that first goal? Uh, well, it was interesting that in the build-up to that, um, one of the many bad decisions Robbie Keane made on the day, um, he had a chance to uh, to do something more. That the LA was moving forward at speed, and and Keane made a decision that kind of slowed everything down. Fortunately for him, the ball 
ended up finding uh, it, it wasn't that Keane found Ishizaki directly, but the ball found its way to Stefan Ishizaki, who had really made no difference before this, but uh, he put in a good cross. Um, Zarez didn't have, it was kind of indicative of the whole game. Zarez did not bring the ball down well, um, but his we, the weird way that he trapped the ball ended up trapping uh, Andrew Farrell. There was no way for Farrell to do anything with uh, to touch that ball at first. He, he just had to sort of um, hope for the best, uh, or, or he could have like kicked Zardes in the chest, um, uh, Nigel de Jong child, uh, style, but that's not really something you should do in life. Um, so he didn't do that, but the, the consequence was that the ball fell to Zardes, and he eventually managed to turn that into uh, another move that got Farrell faked out again, and, and he scored from there. Um, but it really wasn't a very good game, and it was kind of the goal that you would expect from a bad game where it took some sort of awkward, almost accidental trap that ends up being the perfect thing for the situation, but it's not actually good. Yeah, that that's a pretty good summary. The second goal came from Chris Tierney, as I said. Uh, Patrick Mullins got free over the top in behind the Galaxy defense. A ball that it didn't look like he was going to be able to be the first one to, and he outran the Galaxy defense um, to get there. Waited and waited and waited, and finally Chris Tierney ran up the middle and, and got the ball, touched his way past uh, one Galaxy defender in the box and then finished past Jaime Pinedo. Ben, uh, I know a lot of people wanted DC United to take Patrick Mullins number one overall last year. He came out of the gate hot for the, the Revs this year and then disappeared for about you know four-fifths of the season before reappearing in this one. Charlie Davies wasn't good in the first half. Patrick Mullins replaced him and immediately injected some life into the Revs. I'm just going to point out that he's not protected in the expansion draft and then hand the mic over to you to talk about whatever you feel like with this goal. <laughs> there's a lot of issues. There's Tierney, there's Mullins, there's the oh, yeah, yeah, defense. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, pick, well, what, you take your pick. Yeah, what I'll, go, what I'll go for first is how between Tierney and Mullins, they beat both of the LA Galaxy Central defenders. Uh, Patrick Mullins was able to beat Omar Gonzalez, uh, both on pace, and he was able to get the cross in. And then Chris Tierney basically ran around Leonardo and was able to uh, slot, slot in the goal. So not a great showing by either of those central defenders. But if somehow DC United could trade for Patrick Mullins, I mean, yes, he's young. He, I bet he has a good future ahead of him. But I don't know if that's a position we really need right now. I mean, we have Chris Rolfe. We have Chris Pontes. We have Fabian Espindola. We have Luis Silva. Uh, and I think all of those players maybe a spindle excluded, but definitely Rolf and Pontius play a similar role as to Patrick Mullins. So as enticing as he might be, I don't think that that would be a good pickup for DC United to trade something to one of the expansion teams, do like a, 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 a sign and trade, kind of like the uh, what happened with Dax McCarty uh, a couple of uh, the, the last time there was an expansion draft. So, it would be nice, it would be great, but I just don't see it actually working out for United. All right, the final goal. Can oh, I, go can ahead, I add Jason. something on the, the second goal? Um, one thing that, that, and I have a general complaint, ESPN I thought did a pretty poor job covering this game. Um, there, were, there were a lot of little mistakes, but one of them that they missed, one of the things they missed here was um, on this goal, 
the re- whole reason that Mullins had an uh, a lane to run into and what uh, Gonzalez, he, Gonzalez played the long ball that spotted this all, what actually dragged gal- the Galaxy out of position was Kellen Rowe uh, getting the attention of a defender and then running to checking to the ball hard. He actually pulled De La Garza out of right back, and that is why Mullins had 40 yards to run into. And the other thing I would add is that Mullins looks a lot faster now than he did back in, in May yes. and June. Yes. Um, he did not have that extra gear that, that he showed uh, running past Gonzalez and, and getting away from Leonardo, which is where he started that run on the other side of Leonardo and slashed across him. Uh, so I, I guess one thing that the Revolution must have been doing is just working with him on his sprinting ability because he hasn't had that, that – that speed wasn't there when he was at Maryland and it wasn't there earlier this year, so – uh, some credit needs to be given to whoever is in charge of the Revolution's uh, physical fitness program, their, their strength and training, uh, whatever it is, whatever they call it. Uh, that guy apparently has made a difference because Mullins ran faster there than I've seen him run ever. Uh, it should be pointed out that there are a couple of former DC United guys uh, involved with the Revs. Charlie Davies, of course, up there, but Tommy Sohn. Is is the bench coach basically? He's he looks like Jay Heap's right hand man. He's the Chad Ashton to Jay Heap's Ben Olsen up there. Um, and and which, Tommy, which Sullivan's, is always, which is always what he's been good at. Yeah, exactly. So he's that's, in that's exactly where he made his reputation. And and so he, you know, he did very well with them in whatever role he was in this year. I don't know that he was in charge of any training or development, but he he's up there helping Jay Heap's out for better or worse. Uh, let's look at the last goal, the game winner. Wait, wait, uh, you're, was, not, you're not, you're not going to talk about the most hilarious coach that has a DC United connection in that game? Kurt Anolfo? Yeah, Kurt he's, Anolfo. Was he actually on the field for that game, or was he off, yes, you know, yes, getting... Yes, I, I saw him. I saw okay. him. I, I know he is in charge of Los Dos. He's in charge of the Galaxy's yes. USL team. Yes, but he's also an assistant for the full team, and it made me both laugh and cry many tears. If we want to get really obscure, uh, Kenny Arena, who is now an assistant for LA, also very briefly was a DC United player at one point. And Jason loves to get really obscure, so <laughs> that just happened. Now let's talk about the final goal. Robbie Keane got in behind uh, the Revs' defense, and probably in response to Alan Gordon um, creating a lot of trouble, Chris Tierney who scored the equalizer, uh, was a couple yards behind the rest of his defense and managed to keep Robbie Keane onside. Otherwise, he would have been clearly off. He was way behind the other defenders, and Tierney was just completely out of step. Marcelo Sarvis finds him over the top, and Keane, on his first uh, touch. It was a first touch finish. It was a nice run. I thought De La Garza found him instead of Sarvis. The ball came from deeper. Yeah, I thought Sarvis had just dropped deep. I might be off on that, though. Uh, they, there, there was a lot of uh, beards and, and semi-beards and a lot of things going on. A lot of the Galaxy players don't look like they normally look. Yeah. Yeah, so so who knows? Whoever it was. So, somebody. Uh, yeah, somebody. A man from in the stands. In a white jersey. Should have been signed. <laughs> Put Keenan behind, and he finished well past, uh, past Shuttleworth. Uh, is there any more to say about this goal, Jason, other than... You know, I know. I know some people are going to give Alan Gordon some credit for basically getting in Tierney's head and making him adjust and not step there, but but it comes down to a mistake, really, by Chris Tierney well, for me. I mean, it's a mistake on Tierney's fault, uh, but it, 
this is pretty much the hardest thing that fullbacks have to deal with. Um, when their team gets dragged all the way to one side of the field and one of the strikers, especially playing a 4-4-2, a uh, striker like Gordon still stays in a spot where, as a left back, Tierney had to look for him. He, it was Tierney's responsibility to take care of Alan Gordon. Um, and at that point in the game, you know, you've you've got to look at uh, a ball being served from the other side of the field and all the other side of the field, and also about 70, 80 yards from from where Tierney's standing. Um, and you've got Alan Gordon looking like he's about to make a run in behind. Um, you can't if you if you don't if you aren't with the line immediately when they stepped up, then you kind of have to stay with Gordon at that point. Um, but that's what the Galaxy do is they put you in, in situations where you've got a complicated decision to make in a very small amount of time, um, and they've always got that second thing about to happen. Um, so I feel bad for Tierney. He got caught. I mean, the L.A. did the smart thing to catch him in a bad to put him in a spot where he might make a mistake. Um, he made the mistake, but... Um, just like Kellen Rowe did a good job pulling De La Garza out of position, Alan Gordon deserves a, a lot of credit for making Tyranny stay in a spot that he shouldn't have been in. Um, and then after that, you know, L.A. deserves the credit. It's a good ball in, and, and Robbie Keane, as much as he had an abysmal game up to that point, um, he was really causing more problems than he was actually uh, helping with, um, which is why when, when they handed him the game MVP trophy, I actually started laughing. Um, I don't think I don't even think he was in the top ten players that played in that game, um, much less the game MVP. But naturally, if you score an overtime game winner in MLS Cup, generally speaking, they hand you the uh, MVP trophy without much consideration, and that's exactly what happened. It was yeah. a good finish. I'll give him that. It was it was a it, the kind of finish you expect from Robbie Keane, whereas the other uh, things that happened to him throughout that game were not what you would expect of Robbie Keane. Yeah, he. I, I thought Keane was deservedly the league MVP, um, but you're absolutely right. He was not the best player in this game. He just happened to score and, the goal. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting is, uh, for a lot of these, a lot of the playoffs, there's been a lot of talk of Keane being injured, and maybe that was what was wrong. He looked physically, he looked fine. He looked as fast and as athletic uh, as he normally is. Which I mean, for a guy in his mid 30s, um, he still looks pretty pretty sprightly out there. Mentally, um, he looks spent, though. Yeah, there, there's something was up with his something was up with his decision making and his ability to get his head up and and maybe even show a little confidence in his teammates um, for whatever reason. And it's not like his teammates have done anything to uh, let him down and defy that confidence. I mean, we're we're used to seeing Keen wildly gesticulate when any whenever anything goes wrong, but it's not like they were playing badly around him. I mean, they're the Galaxy; they almost won the Supporter Shield. They beat Seattle. It's not like they were playing poorly, so I, I'm not sure what was going on with him, but it wasn't physical. Do you think maybe he resented all the talk about Landon Donovan's retirement and all the focus on Donovan? Because a couple of those bad decisions where he got a little bit too selfish, Donovan was the guy that he would have passed it to. So I, I'm just making stuff out of whole cloth here, but that that wouldn't necessarily surprise me, given Keane's reputation. I, I don't know. I, I feel like... Um... Given that it's a one-off championship game, I don't think he's he's making that decision based on uh, any issues he has with Donovan or anyone else. I think he just put his head down and wasn't getting his head up and, and finding those runs. He wasn't paying attention to what was going on around him as, as much as he normally does. Obviously, he paid enough attention to uh, make the run that he made and know that he was going to be kept onside, or at least have a, a hope that he was going to be kept onside on the goal. Um, because if he if he made that run blind and had no idea what Gordon was doing or no 
inkling that Gordon might do that, then he then something's wrong with him. Like he's not smart enough to play professional soccer. That's a, a amateur league run if you're doing that. But if you have the sense that your forward partner might be helping you in that way and keeping someone on, then you take off on that run and you take the chance that that's what happened. And uh, so he wasn't completely off by any means, and I don't think he was being completely selfish for uh, immature reasons. I think he was just something was off about him, and he just was making bad decisions based on just not playing very well. It wasn't for any particular reason. All right, Ben, anything to add before we we move on to our next topic? Did Landon Donovan play? Did Jurgen, did Jurgen put him in? Uh, in? As near as I can tell, Jurgen did not select Landon Donovan for, for this game. Okay, just making sure. All right, so... so we're done talking about actual on-the-field soccer, and we're going to go back to those uh, roster machinations that we that, that we were talking about before. Lots and lots of trades in MLS today. It was a half-day-long window, but but there's a, a lot to talk about. We're not going to go through all of it, just some of the big moves. Um, we've talked about DC United. Elsewhere, Orlando made a big splash. We knew that they had traded allocation money and an international slot to Houston for Tally Hall, the goalkeeper there. But but last night we we learned that Amobi Okugo was making his way from Philly down to Orlando, and today uh, word that Aurelian Collin, who was being pursued by Toronto, uh, among other teams, is also going to Orlando. They had a press conference with all three of them today, so this is obviously something they'd been working on down there for a while, and that's that's quite a way to start off their team, kind of a different tack than, than NYCFC is taking, where they seem to be waiting for Wednesday to really lay the domestic foundation of their club. Obviously, they have they have their their two big DPS, but they're waiting to to get guys like Colin and Akugo and Hall in until after the expansion draft. Orlando's wasting no time, Ben. What do you make of these moves? Do you do you think they're on the right track, or or do you think NYCFC is more flexible? approach is probably better. No, I think that uh, Orlando City is on the better track right now. I think that the uh, moves that they've made to shore up their spine have been really good so far. And the fact that they don't have a DP who may or may not uh, play the, se- the the beginning of the season with them, that, that helps them out. Uh, obviously, Frank Lampard may or may not start the season with NYCFC. But Kaká, on the other hand, definitely will be in Orlando uh, to begin the season. So I'm so far, I'm much more a fan of what Orlando City has done. They've been able to go out and get the players that they want and not having to rely on the expansion draft. Obviously, Manchester City, uh, the owners of Manchester City and NYCFC have the money to just blow everyone out of the water. But that's not, as we know, that's not the way that... Uh, MLS really works, so if you can't you get... You have to have the, the money and the brains. Yeah, if you can't get the rest of those players to fill out a roster to to make you good, like Bruce Arena has been able to, to do, then you're not going to succeed, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm more confident in what Orlando is doing right now, even though based on my USL Pro experience with them, I despise their every bones. Sure. I mean, you're a Richmond Kickers fan. Of course you do. Um, they're 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 fairly they're they're fairly awful. 
Jason, two two trades I want to talk to you about. Uh, one, Nat Borchers, center back from RSL, going to Portland, which was has been rumored for a little while now. The other is uh, Bernardo Añor making his way from Columbus over to Sporting Kansas City. He's a midfielder who's played some on the back line as well. And mostly what I think DC United fans remember him for is, is, is being a dirty jackass of a player, which which I think fits in very well with Kansas City. So so what are your thoughts on these two moves? Uh, the, the Borchers deal, I mean... It's it's I guess good for Portland that they've maybe finally understood what what the problem is. It's um, so obvious you almost didn't expect Caleb Porter to do it. Uh, the the only issue that I have with it is that it's it's a stopgap. Borchers is thirty three. Um, he's not going to be there forever. He's not going. He's not a guy that's going to play until he's forty or or what have you. Or he's not likely to. Just like every player is not likely to play until they're forty. Um. So, so Will's not young either. He's already at least thirty. Right. So so Portland still is going to find themselves they don't have a long term solution at, at center back. They have uh someone that can take care of them in the near term near term, and that's good for them. It's good that um they'll be able to move back probably towards a, a better push to the playoffs and they I mean if their offense can hold up as it did this year and they can just be slightly better, they, they don't have to be good at defending to um, make the playoffs. They just have to be not horrible, and they were horrible at defending this year. Um, so Vortures will fix that. He'll make them – they'll be instantly – they should be a playoff team next year uh, unless some of the other teams make a ton of moves. Um, the other trade, uh, you know, I, I found myself looking at – my projected Kansas City lineup, if Kansas City had to play tomorrow, what what their lineup would look like. And I couldn't really figure out what they want to do with Bernardo and your, um, they're not going to play him at left back over Seth Sinovich. Um, he's not going to get into the midfield over uh, Paulo Nagamora or Benny Philhaber. Um, he's not cut out to play the defensive midfield role. So Jorge Claros is going to take that spot. Um, they did just trade CJ Sapong. Um, which means they, they've lost one of their wide forwards, but um, they've still got Jacob Peterson. I know that they're at least there was talks of there were talks of them possibly trying to extend a contract to Sunni Saad, who is I think I believe out of contract. Um, Graham Zusi will take one of those two spots, whether it's right or left. Um, they preferred him on the left this year, which is uh, Anyor can only really play towards the left side or in the middle. He can't really be on the right. Um, so I guess I guess they could use him as a left forward and play Susie to the right, but um, I mean, I as much as any team in the league, Peter Vermees' system demands depth because he yeah. runs his guys into the ground. So so getting a guy who can back up either left fullback or yeah. left wing may, makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah, it's just it's just a um, it's an odd scenario. I, I'm not sure that he's going to necessarily be happy to. Uh, have have you know made an impact as a starter this year for the first time in his career, and then get traded to somewhere where he's possibly not going to be a starter. Um, but uh, I mean, I guess that's his problem. Um, yeah. That said, he does fit really, really well into the Peter Vermees philosophy of throwing bows. Oh yeah, um, he, he's definitely going to cause somebody to uh, 
bleed from their eyebrow or cheekbone next season, and he'll probably get away with it because this is, this is MLS and some things happen. Uh, if you're sporting Kansas City, you get to throw elbows that other players don't get to throw. Um, if you're a uh, seven-figure uh, salary receiver, then you get to commit red card tackles that no one else gets to commit. Um, that's just life. Um, if you're David Beckham or Jermaine Jones or uh, if, if you're Thierry Henry, people forget that you put Kevin Hartman uh, on the trainer's table for eight weeks by kicking him after the ball was out of play after a goal had been scored. These things all get left behind when you uh, are a certain type of player. And if you're a Kansas City player... A certain threshold, I think, is the technical term. <laughs> right. And, and the, the Kansas City rule is uh, you get to smash someone's face with your arms or fists, and it's okay once, at least. Maybe twice. Colin gets two. Everyone else gets one. Now, now that he's in Orlando, I don't know if he'll get the same protection. He, he goes back down to one. He got one personal one and one for the team when he was in Kansas City. Now okay. he's just down to his personal just the one. His, his personal Wait. mulligan. Ben, did Orlando catch breaks from the referees uh, in terms of uh, player violence or no? Um, not that much, no. Okay. They, it, was, it was basically just their fans that were abominations. But, so, so there's no, there's no um, standard Orlando uh, built-in protection that we should be looking for. Like Orlando is good at this kind of deadly tackle that will ruin everything, uh, and they get away with it. It'd be great if it was like horse collar tackles that <laughs> aren't even legal in in the NFL. Right. <laughs> well, maybe we could just start that as a rumor. Yeah, there you go. So, listeners of the show, your job this week, your homework, is to spread rumors that that Orlando City is famous. And Adrian Heath, his teams are famous for horse collar tackles and not being whistled for them. I mean, they are famous for just being petulant and not believing that anything is a foul against them. Well, they'll fit right in with Kansas City. Yeah, exactly. Colin will be right at home. Colin will be like, I don't know the difference. It's the same to me. Yeah, they're basically Kansas City. The barbecue is less good. Yes, except they've got even more... I like Kansas City's fans overall. Orlando City's fans, no. <laughs> not not that Ben holds a grudge or anything. Let's now bomb Orlando. Yes, we will. We will bomb. We we are in Washington D.C. We do have our finger on the button. We can do that. Let's turn our attention now to the expansion draft and really quickly go through some of the names that are on the list and and just see what interesting names jump out at us. Um, up in Chicago. Very quickly, Patrick Yanni, Benji Hoya are both there. Sana, the better, Nyasi, is available, and and then some other guys, um, including Grant Ward, Hale Hydra. Not a lot of interesting names there. Colorado's exposed list is mostly names that were interesting three to five years ago. Uh, Agbo Samande, Edson Buttle, Mark Birch... Um, Brian Mullen, who's retiring, Danny Mwanga, whose career existed three years ago, Marvell Wynn, uh, guys like that. Uh, Columbus has some Carlos names. Carlos Alvarez is good. Sorry? Carlos yeah, Alvarez, somebody, yeah? Yeah, somebody should take Carlos Alvarez. One of those two teams should be smart and take him and actually make use of him. Uh, in Columbus, Harold Arrieta is the name we all know. He's He's been a D.C. United killer in his time in Columbus, but he, I imagine he's on a pretty hefty salary, and he's not a young guy. Um, Eric Gehrig is a little bit interesting. Ben Spees is more than a little bit interesting. Um, Adam Bedell is 
alluring, but I don't think he's worth taking for anything, uh, including <laughs> an, an expansion draft slot. Anybody else there stand out to you guys? No. Yeah. In the in the in the possibility three years ago category, Dan Palladini. Yeah. Oh man. I, I completely forgot about him. Don't forget that Paladini one has a broken leg and two was recently uh, suspended by before they cut him loose. They suspended him for some sort of domestic incident at his house. Right. Ooh. That's why interesting There's three a, years ago. There are a lot of problems there that uh, it's probably best to just move on. Oh yes. Oh definitely. Yeah. Uh, FC Dallas goalkeeper Raul Fernandez for for all the Peruvians out there. George John, interesting three years ago. Stephen Keel, Adam Moffat, interesting three years ago. Henry Thomas might be a little bit interesting. Um, Moffat's still Moffat's still a decent player. He's, he's still in his mid twenties, actually. Oh wow, he's just he's been around a, for so long. He he jumped into MLS basically as a like twenty three year old, so he really hasn't been around that long. Oh, I I felt like he like has been playing since nineteen ninety six. Yeah, no, he's, kind of seems he's that one way. of those guys that seems very old, but he's not. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him taken, honestly, as kind of a him, similar to Montreal taking Davey Arno. He's, right. he's a, a hard-nosed well, guy who's actually, been on I, championship I, teams. Uh, I will correct. I was looking through um, – I was trying to make a new spreadsheet for this uh, uh, expansion draft, and my Jason, old – you know, big on spreadsheets. My old uh, 2007 Montreal spreadsheet noted that uh, Davey Arnold was not actually selected in that draft. Seth Sinovich was selected, and then Montreal traded Sinovich back to Kansas City for Davey Arnold. Right, that's right, because Kansas City had protected Arnold. Right. I think, uh, but yeah. not Sinovich. And right. they, I, I don't right. know. If Basically, they, they just regret it. They found themselves regretting the decision instantly. Yeah, um, they took so, a gamble, and it didn't pay off. Montreal yeah. was good at trying to make teams pay for... Yeah, Gambles. Montreal is very antagonistic with their uh, expansion draft behavior. There's a lot of hostage holding, uh, and and to this day, Houston dislikes Montreal more than you would expect, given the distance between the teams. Yeah, uh, this weekend, MLSsoccer.com had a video with um, Jason Seguini, uh, Matthew Doyle, and, and Jesse Marsh, who, of course, was the manager yes. in Montreal during their expansion draft. And and they called Marsh out on basically being an asshole <laughs> during that expansion draft. And it's like an 18-minute long video. It's actually a really good, mm-hmm. uh, informative video. But Marsh is like, eh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of played ignorance. Um, speaking of, of Houston, uh, both Joe Willis and Samuel Incombe are exposed Servando Carrasco uh, is out there, and I'm sure some of our friends down in Houston with Dynamo Theory would be happy to see him selected just so they don't have to hear any more Mr. Alex Morgan jokes. Uh, David Horst, big center back, is available. Corey Ash. Corey Ash uh, is out there. A, he might, be, he might a, get taken. A capable left back uh, probably gets taken. Just in, as a general rule of thumb in expansion drafts, if you're a left back and you're, act, you're adequate, then you're probably going. Over in L.A., James Riley is retiring. Alan Gordon is available. Dan Gargan is available. Donovan, not that interesting anymore. Um, Kyle Ventner, I remember a lot of people talking about him in the Super Draft recently. Um, Other than that, a surprisingly 
low number of interesting names are available from it's from fun. the champs. When uh, when we were doing our um, SB Nation mock draft, um, as time went on, I started noticing that LA had had no one taken, and there was a reference in our draft. That I'm actually letting out some of our. Uh, this isn't the secret. That we're, this isn't a secret. Um, but uh, there was a joke made about dumpster diving in Portland, and uh, I started uh, sort of obliquely urging uh, the Orlando and New York bloggers to take from the rich rather than take from the poor. <laughs> because they'd already taken two DC players, and they were picking off players from other uh, lesser teams, whereas LA and Seattle were going untouched. And in the end, there were more DC players taken than LA and Seattle combined. Uh, and at the end, I clarified. I was like, guys, when I said take from the rich rather than the poor, I meant take LA. Take from LA. <laughs> it, it didn't work. I thought I could just be, um, uh, I could, do, you know, with a wink and a nod, get it to happen, and I should have just been blunt. So it's my fault. It is. Some, sometimes you're a little bit not direct enough. <laughs> <laughs> Up in Montreal, Fuddy Donso, who they acquired from Portland this year, Matteo Ferrari, uh, Heath Pierce, who would have been really interesting three years ago, uh, Troy Perkins, who wasn't interesting even three years ago. Who would have been interesting six years ago. Yeah. Um, really, for, for the last place team in the league a not-surprising lack of quality uh, available. New England Revolution, however, there are some names on here that will jump out foremost among them. Diego Fagundes, who I think we mentioned earlier, uh, has somehow received commitments from both expansion teams not to select him. We'll see how that goes. Um, Jerry Bankston, Honduran World Cup veteran, you know, doesn't score goals. Shalri Joseph also, is about 80. Yeah, uh, Bankson is on loan, I think, through July in uh, Argentina as well. Okay. So it's even he's even less appealing than he would be normally, which is to say completely unappealing because Orlando and New York are not Honduras. I'm, I'm kind of sad there are no players that went on free transfers to Mexico this offseason, like um, Jonathan Bornstein. Just so that, because I, I think Portland still owns his rights, unless they traded them to somebody. Oh, they might have traded them. They no, might have. Hold on. But but they selected Bornstein immediately after he signed with Tigres in Mexico, on the assumption basically, or the gamble that he would not pan out in Mexico and would come back, and they would have first dibs. He would still be a great. I still think he would be a maybe not great, but he would still be a good MLS. He would be a fantastic uh, MLS left back. Uh, Born, Bornstein's rights were traded uh, to Chivas for Ben Zemanski. Uh, so he's free. Um, so, so what happens now? Uh, I'm reading through it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't indicate. Um, he had he signed with Corretero, um back in July, and apparently San Jose and Chivas were both interested in signing him, but he didn't really want to come back to MLS yet. So, so I assume so his right would have just been absolved. He's playing or, with former MLS or Philippe or not Felipe Camilo. Yes, Camilo. Uh, I, I'm what I hope now that I've read this is that um, uh, LASC or FC or whatever they end up calling themselves somehow find themselves owning the rights to Jonathan Bornstein, and in 2016 we have to re we have to go over all of this again. It's like, oh, actually they've got a left back. They've got Jonathan Bornstein. 
What what I'm guessing is that he'll go through MLS. the allocation process, the allocation order, because yeah, no MLS team owns his rights now. Yeah, I would but, imagine the Chivas claim on him uh, died with, with Chivas USA. It will be really funny if he comes back and there's some, like, what do we do? <laughs> he, or, he, he belongs to a team that no longer exists. My, the solution I'm going to propose is that uh, Chiva Fighter, the, the muscular goat mascot of Chivas USA, is given a bearer bond that uh, uh, certifies Jonathan Bornstein's MLS rights. and The first manager to physically take if, it out of his hand. Well, not, not the first, but whoever happens to hold the bearer bond at the time that Bornstein wants to return... Uh, that team gets Jonathan Bornstein. Uh, bearer bonds are a big part of Die Hard, uh, the original Die Hard, which is how I learned what bearer bonds are. Uh, I, to this day, am blown away by the fact that this is a thing that exists. Uh, it doesn't, a bearer bond, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, means that whoever has it in their hand is the person that owns the wealth that the bond contains. So if Adam had a bearer bond and I went to him and stole it from him and ran off, I owe, that bearer bond is mine legally, uh, which is absurd. Uh, but it's a thing that exists and was in uh, Die Hard. If you if you need more about Bear uh, Bonds, just watch Die Hard. Don't listen to us. And it's the Christmas season, so you should yeah, watch Die Hard. It's time to even watch if you're Die not Hard. interested in Bear Bonds, because it's a fantastic <laughs> Christmas movie. All right, let's quickly get through the rest of these. Right. Uh, Patrick Mullins and Steve Newman, both available from New England, along with Andy Dorman, who's been a rev for basically since before they were a thing. Uh, Joe Nasco, who they just acquired from Colorado, goalkeeper who will probably back up Bobby Shuttleworth next year. Yeah, no one's taking him. Yeah. In New York. Hey, hey, Jason, Bobby Convy's available for New York. Yeah. Oh, good. Maybe I'll uh, start an NASL team and he'll be good enough to play for them. Yeah, or we'll let's see. Send it back to Reddick. A bad NASL team. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if our mock draft holds up and if NYCFC selects Peggy Luyandula. Or or not. Um, down in Philadelphia, uh, they no actually Tim have Cahill, no Tim Cahill love. Uh, Tim Cahill is he's available. He is. Yes, he is. Oh, he's. I I skipped right past his name <laughs> at the top of the list. He has a green card. Apparently, he's not listed as an international. That's right. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Um, that would be interesting, especially if NYCFC took him. I don't think they will because they already have an older, immobile midfielder <laughs> and a guy who's a forward but not really a target forward. So I doubt I doubt he gets taken, but that's interesting. There's also this guy named Thierry Henry available. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with how that. Hilarious, how hilarious would that be if NYCFC took him and then just paid him so much money that he went to play for NYCFC? Beyond hilarious is what it would be. But what they would probably do is what they're doing with Lampard, where they, they pay him a whole bunch of money on NYCFC's books and then have him play the entire season with Manchester right. City anyway, which is honestly despicable by, by Man City. If Lampard is not starting the season with Financial fair NYCFC, play. then, it's, yeah, then that, that's all kinds of shenanigans. Uh, over in Philadelphia, uh, former Rookie of the Year, Austin Berry, is available. Fred, former DC United player. Brian Carroll, former DC United player. Danny Cruz, former DC United player. <laughs> all available. Um, Zach McMath and uh, Ray's and Bully are, are both available. Uh, that, that for, for those of you who don't know, are their starting goalkeeper and their expensive Algerian World Cup why the hell did they sign this guy? They already had two really good starting 
or really capable anyway, starting goalies on their roster. Uh, they're both available. Both of those two get taken. And and Philly goes from having way too many goalkeepers to no goalkeepers. That'd be so outstanding, especially with the news today yes. that, that Zach Steffen, the the future yes. uh, uh, of the union, and is going to the Bundesliga. He's signing. Right. A, he's looking for a team in Germany. Uh, he he would have been a homegrown player yes. for they them. He's at the right University right. of Maryland. He's one of the best goalkeeping prospects in right. the country, and he is not going to sign with the union right. or MLS. He's going to Germany. To give people an idea, you you will find serious um, youth development people that that know their stuff that have him uh, at at his current age have him ahead of where Bill Hamid was at that time. I don't agree with that, but it's not an it's not a crazy viewpoint. So that's how good of a player the union are losing out on by their own bungling and uh, making it obvious to him that he will never play there. So good job, Philly. Once again, yeah, I think it would be the most wonderful thing in the world if McMath and Mboli were both taken in this. I don't think it'll happen. I think McMath will get selected or traded somewhere this this right. offseason, um, which means they have Mboli, who will probably pretty quickly be overtaken by Andre Blake, and they're going to have to get a new goalkeeper midway through next year anyway because Mboli's going to leave. Right, especially, I mean, they've already had Mboli... Um make the, the single play which ruined Philly's uh, dwindling playoff hopes. He had that bad clearance that cost them a game in stoppage time. Yeah. So uh, that was... <laughs> why, why not then also struggle elsewhere and eventually uh, end up with uh, the guy that you thought was going to be your future number one? Just Why don't you just go with him now anyway? I mean, you're, he, Because you're Philadelphia is what? If, if any goalkeeper has reminded me of a young Bill Hamid, it's Andre Blake. Honestly, and in and, and freak athleticism and shot stopping is part of it. Um, but he's also obviously very, very raw. I, I think he's honestly more raw than Hamid was when he came in to MLS. Oh, yeah. But but yeah. you it the potential there is is obvious. And if he gets some good coaching, he could be as good uh, as Bill Hamid. I, I think is a pretty easy thing to say. Turning to Portland now, uh, Gaston Fernandez is the big name on the exposed list. Um Paparato is a defender for them who, who, you know, he's a defender for Portland, so he wasn't very good this year, but he's, but he's an interesting name. Beyond that, there's Donovan Ricketts, who's about 90 in goal. Khalif Halasan, who was good in defensive midfielder. Uh, Pomodu Ka, who really shouldn't be starting as a central defender anymore. Jack Jewsbury, who is, um, I, I'll say petulant is, is the word. I'll give him. Um, who who was the kid on on Leave It to Beaver? He reminds me of of the kid who was really polite and then a complete jackass when your back was turned. That's Jack Jewsbury in my mind. You're, you're jumping from shows that we're too old for to now a show that we're way too young. For. <laughs> yes, this is correct. You need to I, find, a, find a middle ground. I don't think I do. I think you need to expand your pop culture literacy. I am aware that Leave It to Beaver was a show with a, a character named Wally, who I'm not sure what Wally did or, or what his relevance was. <laughs> Wally Cleaver was is... the Beaver's older brother. Okay. I watch. I did watch a lot of I Love Lucy reruns uh, when I was a kid. And but that, that show gonna... only had four characters. We're just going to keep moving on. RSL yeah. has uh, Ned Grabavoy is available. Robbie Finley is available. Uh, Devin Sandoval Chris, is available. Chris Winger. Chris Winger. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Abdul Abdul Mansali. 
Uh, Sebastian Velasquez is interesting. He's available. Uh, all those names. Uh, so we could see a couple of people taken from they're Arsenal, get, which would make sense given I, their extended. They're going to get two taken. I, I would strongly expect Ned Grabovoy to go very early. Yeah, I would be shocked if he didn't. Um, especially given Jason Kreiss' connection back there. Yeah, that he might be out there just for NYCFC to take, because I think they have the first Basically. pick. No, so, Orlando has the first pick. Or Orlando has first, huh? Yeah. That'd be interesting if they saw Grabovoy and took him before Kreiss could get, on, get him. That would be kind of fun. Uh, San, each other. It's true. Yeah. San Jose, uh, former DC United guy Brandon Barklage is the first name alphabetically on the list, but John Bush, who had a top five season in MLS in goal this year, right. is also available. Can, can I quiz you guys real quick? Sure. Don't can we look stop it you? up. Don't look it up. How old do you think John Bush is? Thirty-eight. No, he is. I'm gonna guess. 28. <laughs> Adam was exactly right, which means I think he looked this up before. I did not. Oh, really? Actually, not oh, I, wow. just, I just guessed. I knew he was on the older side. Uh, yeah, no, he is 38, um, which is probably why he's not going to get taken. Yeah. Though he he does he doesn't look like he's about to retire by any means. No, I mean um, he had one of the best it, years of his life. Right. He and Armando found some fountain of youth on the whatever road goes between Salt Lake City and San Jose. <laughs> It's probably several roads. Yeah, and it's again. probably some other chemical than water in the fountain right. of youth. Let's Allegedly. be honest. <laughs> he, he looks like he can still play. So maybe maybe instead of the uh, Philadelphia goalkeeper robbery, we'll see we'll, we'll see someone go for John Bush for the time. Maybe Orlando takes him for a little while until Tally Hall's uh, ACL is uh, recovered. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, John, if you if you need a short term guy, John Bush. It right. is a lot better than you would probably hope for. Um, I'm I'm looking down. There's a guy who almost looked. His name is similar to Tomas Mueller's, but, yes. but <laughs> that guy. Uh, there's really I, nobody else on San Jose's roster that's interesting. I guess I guess Yannick Jello, uh, who's on loan and will not be returning to the Quakes right. next year anyway. Yeah, there's not too much there. Um, they were pretty uh, bad. Uh, Mueller actually went to Georgetown. Um, I, it's kind of funny to see his name written as Thomas because he's been Tommy since I've I've heard of him in the last like six years. Yeah. Um, maybe San Jose is just trying to m- trick somebody and like no, it's it's it's, it, the it's guy Thomas from, Mueller. It's, Thomas. it's the guy <laughs> from Bayern and Germany. He played here, we missed the playoffs somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle, the supporter shield holders, Jaleel Anibaba could be taken. Kenny Cooper, Leo Anibaba's Gonzalez. Anibaba's going to Europe. Anibaba's going to Europe. Yeah, he's out of contract, and he's decided, uh, from what I've heard, that he's going. He's decided he wants to move to Europe. He's not going to stick around. And maybe I mean, he's this year's Bornstein then. And, and, the, and the throwback, uh, talking about Joe Willis. Apparently, Joe Willis was exploring his options in Europe uh, yes. before he got traded to the Houston Dynamo. So it was probably unlikely that United were going to keep him anyway. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, in Seattle, Cam Weaver, Zach Scott. Leo Gonzalez is probably among the more likely to be taken. Michael Azira, who was basically the top backup for Ozzy Alonso this year. Dylan Remick, who was the fantasy MLS darling of the <laughs> early season because he cost nothing and was playing every minute of the first several games for them. Uh, and don't don't forget Tristan Bowen, the first ever MLS homegrown player. Yes. Who? 
whose whose academy did he even come out of? LA Galaxy. Galaxy. LA Galaxy. Yep. Okay. So and the then he was with Tivas. He's actually played for several teams as a as a homegrown player. Yeah, he's no longer a homegrown player, guys. Right. At this point, he's he's a guy who came through an MLS academy the and has become a journeyman. Ever. He's he's a lot like Danny Mwanga, but just didn't have as much height. That makes a lot of sense. Sporting Kansas City, both their starting goalkeepers from over the course of the year, Andy Granabom and Eric Kronberg, are are both on the chopping block here. Uh, Suni Saad, who you said they're trying to get a new contract with, it, they might not get the chance if he's taken. Right. Uh, Victor Munoz, uh, which will be a name that's familiar to DC United fans. Beyond that, Lawrence Olam, maybe Salzizo, already signed, maybe. Uh, Olam already signed with a Malaysian club. That Malaysian? Already... Okay. Yeah, I'm assuming he's getting paid a lot of money to go play there. Or he just wanted to, he's like, where is the point on earth furthest away from Peter Vermees, and can I get a contract there? Because uh, uh, apparently Kansas City um, even agreed to terminate his contract so that he could just move without a fee. So it must have been a uh, best for him to just let him go kind of deal. All right. Moving quickly on to Toronto, where Dwayne De Rosario is available but unlikely to be taken. Uh, Jackson is round as is Stephen Caldwell, who is probably the most important player in the Toronto defense this year. Bright DK is there. Dominic Aduro, uh, speed merchant on the outside, is there. Jeremy Hall was a midfielder for them. Um, anybody else jump out to you for Toronto, or what What do you think of those names? Uh, Mark Mark Bloom actually played decently at right back for, for Toronto. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they're willing to let him go, but... Um... He's a little bit expensive, isn't he? Like he's no, no I, I, I thought so. he was getting paid more than he was probably worth. Um, worth. I don't, I don't think so. I because th- he was coming in from uh, the Atlanta Silverbacks, so he was brought in okay. as a backup with uh, without much leverage and actually forced his way in. So I could see him going. Um, it was Luke and, Moore. I was thinking that took up. Yes, co- co- almost the same more. name. Yeah, more than it, he's worth. A nine-letter name. Uh, they're kind of. The, I get it. I get why you made that mistake. Um, I mean, I I know why you have to protect Jermaine Defoe, but really, do you think he's going to be back there next season? No. No. But, but not. he had a no trade clause. He was required to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Last team, and then we'll, we're going to get out of here. Medi Belushi, who's played with about half the teams in the league at this point, and is still decently likely to be taken just because he's a serviceable backup. Um, Sebastian Fernandez for, for Vancouver. With, with Rosales. Game suspension. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Mauro Rosales, if he's got any legs left in him at all, he's played only on the West coast, Seattle, and then half a season with Shivas and half a season with Vancouver. But not a whole lot of interesting names there. There are names I've never even heard on well, on Vancouver's. Well, one that I, I'm going to throw out there is just a there's an off chance. Uh, Andre Lewis was a big deal coming out of the um, uh, what is it before draft the combine. Um, he earned a lot of attention. Uh, this was the guy that you might remember was going to be drafted, and then it turned out he had signed some kind of deal with the Cosmos. Oh, um, right. That's right. And then Vancouver had, had already drafted him and had to make some sort of deal, and in the end they 
loaned him back, um, and he ended up spending time with uh, Charleston Battery as well. Um, I don't, I didn't hear anything about them thinking, oh, let's bring him back in because he's doing so well. So uh, it might have been a situation where Vancouver not only drafted a player that they had to then pay for, but then also it wasn't a very good player. Um, but uh, there's a lot of that with Canadian teams drafting players with right. strings there, attached that they didn't know about, like Toronto drafting Joel Plata and right. dealing with all of the back behind-the-scenes stuff, and then giving him basically scot-free to RSL. That worked out really well for Toronto. Uh, There's a reason those teams have collectively made the playoffs once. Or no, twice, technically. Vancouver's lost in the the first-round game two years in a row. Yes. Um, But yeah, there's a reason their playoff history is 180 minutes. Um, (laughs) And it's because they make mistakes a lot. Easy mistakes. Vancouver's the least least of the three. Um, Yes. They don't have Joey Saputo firing everybody left and right, and they don't have Toronto FC just trying... Toronto FC. Finding finding new and unusual mistakes to make. Yeah, Toronto is... They just find new and creative. It's wonderful, really, the the artistry they have. Yes, they they really are masters of uh, just ruining it. Uh, somehow. This is a league that's designed to not let this happen, and they've made it happen anyway. This year yeah. was by far the most spectacular, I think, yes. of it. To because spend that much it, money and not get in? They had us all fooled for a while, too. Yeah. They're, uh, like, they, oh, they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna not screw it up this year, and they found a way. Oh, they that's a point. Oh, Gil still couldn't get that brass ring. <laughs> Thank you guys oh. for listening this week. We've gone on entirely too long, so if you're still listening, you are absolutely the best out there. Find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu uh, at blackandredu for Black and Red United. Send your hate mail to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. It's been a while since we had hate mail, so so please send us some. We will read it on the air if it makes us laugh. Maybe, or maybe tell us about how this show was too long. Yeah. If you can go on at length about how this show was too long, we or, and if or it makes us laugh, we'll goats. read it. Yeah, we only talked about goats the once, and it was in a Chivas USA reference. Son of a bitch. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. <laughs> Tell a friend about us. It really does help us out to get more listeners. It makes it more likely that there's going to be an episode next week if we keep seeing our listener numbers be okay. If you know, they drop down too far. We just won't do it anymore. And then we'll be sad. And you don't want to make us sad because then you'll be sad. You'll feel bad. You'll feel guilty. You don't want to feel guilty. Anyway, for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. Thank you again for listening. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason.